You are listening to the best of Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi. Las Vegas, famous, fabulous playground of the West. A wide open town that never goes to sleep. Vegas! Vegas, baby, Vegas! You're in or you're out. Right now. My best mates are going to Las Vegas this weekend. I'm told it's incredible. Las Vegas, here we go! Pack your bags and get ready. You're going to Vegas with people who know Vegas. You're listening to Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi. Welcome to Vegas. COVID-19 has affected each and every one of us. Certainly this pandemic has hit Las Vegas hard. So here's some good news. A popular exhibit is now reopening. Real Bodies at Bally's is back with a new twist. This exhibition now includes science-based information on the coronavirus. You'll also take a tour of a wonderful car museum, Nostalgic Street Rods, with its proprietor, Sherry Goldstrom. But up first, it's always great when a big event or exhibit comes back to town. One of the Strip's most popular exhibitions is back Monday through Sunday. It's Real Bodies, located at Bally's. It's a really interesting exhibit, and we're going to talk with the CEO of Imagine Exhibitions, Tom Zauer. Well, Tom, great having you on. Really happy to hear Real Bodies is back. People are probably hearing, what is Real Bodies? It's actually a lot like the name is, right? Yeah, it's exactly like the name. We named it just for that reason. Uh, so Real Body, first of all, Steve, thank you very much for having me on the program. I'm really excited. I've been a uh, long time, uh, been working in Las Vegas and, and really love the town and, and happy to be in this crazy crazy time back in action, uh, as, as odd as it might be. But, um, so real bodies is an exhibition that, uh, primarily is a, is really an anatomy lesson if you want to look at it that way, but it allows people to, um, understand the human body, this thing that we carry around every day in our lives. Um, we, you know, we abuse most of us, um, what it looks like, how it operates, um, in sort of in a, in a in a digestible way, right? So we, mm-hmm. the, the human body is really complex, right? There's a there's an incredible amount of moving parts and and things we don't know still. But for the layperson who just you know me and you who want to walk in and we're interested in a little bit more about ourselves, uh, it allows you to see the body. So when I say see the body, what that means is, since I know you haven't seen it, um, these are plastinated human bodies and body parts, which means that. Uh, once a body uh, is deceased, the body is dissected and is impregnated with a liquid polymer, which is like a plastic, basically. So what you're left with is, if you will, almost a cast of the whole of the human body, every single intricate little part. So you'll see things as simple as a skeleton uh, standing there in front of you or a full, um, fully... Uh, fleshed out uh, individual and each one of the bodies as you go through these variety of rooms are posed in a in a way and are dissected in a way to illustrate a system of the human body so you have the skeletal system the respiratory system the circulatory system the muscular system the digestive system and so on Um, and it's a really powerful experience because Everyone can relate to this exhibition because it's about you. It's about us. It's about who we are. Um, so there's a really incredible uh, sort of physiological and anatomical 
view of the body because you can visualize what it looks like. Not only like what muscle looks like, which a lot of people are familiar with, or what a bone looks like, but the inside of the bronchial tree or uh, in your lungs or the inside of a human heart where it's dissected sagittally so it's open and you can see the valves or um, the the spinal column uh, opened up so you can see all the nerve endings and the nerve bundles. Uh, it's incredibly visual and powerful uh, in that um, in, in a sort of in a beautiful way like we don't we forget how beautiful we are and granted all these bodies as gross as this might sound to people <laughs> have their skin removed right the skin yeah. is off and everything is there there's no we don't hide anything there's no fig leaves in certain areas right everything is there but it really provides an incredible teaching opportunity for well, a learning opportunity for anybody. Yeah. Um, but certainly when you want to bring your kids or your, your – uh, one thing that was powerful to me uh, years ago, my mother had a knee replacement, and we have an example of what that looks like on a, on a body in the last gallery we call repair uh, that shows what a knee replacement looks like, where it is, how that functions. Like everybody relates to something a little bit different. Yeah, um, that is so cool. And that's so what I cool. think makes it so powerful. It, yeah. it is really cool because it's like – Everybody remembers that time they had to dissect a frog in high school. Yeah. <laughs> and this is really cool because this is well beyond the frog. Now you're looking at what's going on inside you. And boy, what a wake-up call that is. You know, if we take our bodies for granted and you go in and see something like that, I would imagine people are amazed by the uh, just the detail that goes in our bodies. You really kind of appreciate what you're walking around with. Well, you see, you hit something really interesting. Um, one of the displays is called, uh, we have a, a gallery called Breathe. And that in that gallery, um, <clears throat> there's a big sculptural display of a, of a fan that moves air around just to sort of, I wanted people to feel also physically some air movement, right? So we had a local artist uh, build this, this fan wall for us. And in that gallery, we talk about the respiratory system. And we have an example of a healthy lung and a diseased lung, most likely from a smoker. Uh, in that same room, we have the opportunity for you to take your cigarettes out of your pocket and throw them in a bin and throw them away forever because you can look, you can <laughs> physically see how black and gray and charred people's lungs are from, of course, there's pollutions and all kinds of different things in the world. But if you're smoking, there's a much higher likelihood that you're going to have a diseased lung. So if, when you physically see it, it's really powerful. I mean, you you can see it in there. So it's... um. Uh, there, you do think about the lifestyle choices that you make. They have a, a person in the well, person, a, a, a specimen in the exhibition as well um, that has the skin remained on the outside, and you can see the fat in it, and that's also powerful because most of the bodies look pretty slender because all of the skin and all of the fat and the tissue has been removed to just show the muscle or the organs. But we have one that shows uh, sort of the, the, the layers and how fat impacts and how it compacts, um, you know, makes your muscles or your, makes your muscles and your organs work that much harder because you're, they're surrounded by this layer of, like you think about it, if you're, if you're laying on the ground and you sit up, it's not so hard. If you have a mattress on top of you, right, that's like a layer of fat. It's a little harder to get up. So everything has to work a little bit harder. Uh, in this, it, it, when you're covered by that. So when you see it visually, it's really, and I think I was talking to a colleague of mine earlier about um, what we like about the exhibition, particularly the new COVID content. And it really, it's funny, it lies, it ties right in with everything we've been saying. Um, this 
what's wonderful about this exhibition and why it's been so successful for so many years all over the world is because it's so visual. Take something so incredibly complex and puts it right in front of your face and you're in awe. You're just in awe that your body is this powerful and amazing. Um, so when we, when we closed, you know, because of the, the, the coronavirus, um, it, it was, it was terrible, uh, for all of us, everybody on the strip, right. It was oh, very bad for business yeah. and, uh, we're all still recovering and will be for many years. But when we, what we knew we'd come back, Vegas always comes back, you know, so we knew that we would be back and, um, we didn't know when, uh, and we still don't know when we'll be fully back, but I wanted to, you know, in my small little part was at least, um, if there's, you know, when you, I remember when I first heard about the virus, I was reading everything I could, right. Just trying to figure it out. And there's so little that really was known about it. And still to this day, there's, we're learning things every day. Right. But I thought one thing I could do in my tiny little part of the world is share with other people in some visual way, what this virus looks like. So we decided to work together with an epidemiologist and emergency medicine uh, doctors in, in, I'm in Atlanta, so in, in, in our area, and come up with a series of, of information, current information that we know now, which we know may change as, as this is all evolving. But what can we teach our, our guests to the exhibition about this virus and how can we show them a little bit more about it. So we added this COVID-related content in each of the galleries. Um, in many cases, it's, it's text information, um, <clears throat> but we also have videos and we have we 3D printed a COVID-19 molecule. More with Tom Zauer, the CEO of Imagine Exhibitions, in just a few moments. You're listening to Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi. Do you need to sell your home? If you've sold a home before, you remember how stressful and expensive it was. Sold.com is here to help you sell your home for the most money and with the least amount of stress. There are new ways to sell your home that you've never heard of before. Did you know there are companies who will offer you cash for your home? Did you know you could trade in your home for a new one? Did you know there are realtors who will sell your home for a flat fee instead of an expensive commission? It's true. Sold.com services are free. So if you're looking to sell, make this free phone call right now and learn how your next home sale can be faster and easier than you ever thought possible. Pick up your cell phone and call right now. 800-948-6826. Again, that's 800-948-6826. Okay, Sean, we need to talk about our training budget. We're spending almost $1,500 per employee each year. What's the plan? Well, ma'am, 42% of companies are saying that e-learning has led to an increase in revenue. What does that do about the travel expense? E-learning allows employees to learn wherever they are. Then we need to consider the time away from production. I heard that e-learning takes up to 60% less employee time than traditional classroom training. Perfect. Let's find a curriculum company, a development company, a learning management software company. Actually, Epsilon XR specializes in end-to-end learning solutions with tools such as instructor-led training, online classrooms, simulations, virtual and augmented reality, and curriculum development. Get Epsilon XR on the phone. 
Epsilon XR creates immersive learning environments that engage with your learner, resulting in improved information retention, which leads to better performance and ultimately an increase in revenue. Learn more at elearning.epsilonxr.com. We hope you're enjoying this edition of The Best of Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi. Now, let's return to Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi. Let's get back to our conversation with Tom Zaller, the CEO of Imagine Exhibitions. Uh, well, actually, several hundred of them. And we suspended them in the air uh, as if they were floating around a specimen that we have in the, in the final gallery. And we wanted to give you a sort of sense of, you know, obviously it's over-dramatized in, in, in the way it is, but... Um, you can visually see how it works, right? Because a lot of us, we don't, it's too complicated, like receptors and molecules and all this stuff. But when you can, when you can see it and you have a minute to contemplate it, you get, I think you understand it a little bit better and you understand, you know, just how powerful, a little bit more how about your body works yeah. well, and that's how what, this is affecting us. That's what's really special about real bodies in general is you guys take very, very complex information and, what little I know about it and studied and talked to people that have been there. Everybody loves it. And they say the biggest thing is they leave and they say, you know what? I kind of get that. And when you think about how complicated a topic you're dealing with here, and especially even like you said with COVID-19 and so forth, that's a wonderful thing. I mean, talk about a great way to educate yourself and to bring, like you say, a great place to bring your kids. Because yep. there's no really better way to explain something than, boy, here's what it looks like. And now let's that's right. kind of explain it. Because, and is that the idea of this, Tom? Is the idea is like if we make it visual, it's easier to understand. Yeah, I mean, I think that that that's where we came away with how we approached the, the 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 you know introduction of the COVID stuff because we learned over the years. I mean, we're so for we obviously it's like <laughs> we have a beautiful body, right? Our bodies are incredible machines. So you know, as the owner of the exhibition, it's easy for me to say you know, how great it is. But of course I didn't make the body. right? So we're fortunate to have this incredible machine and, and, um, and to, to, to share with people. Well, I think we did really well in real bodies also pre COVID and, you know, it's still there. It's also a lot of information about how we as humans have treated our bodies, how we, how we have fed ourselves over the years, how we have, um, looked at the anatomy of, you know, for years it was taboo you know, to, to dissect a body, to learn about a body. I mean, they, and if you remember, you know, you see TV shows now or you read about in, in history about how they used to do like bloodletting because they thought that was a smart way to cure a disease. Like how little we knew and how much we know now. We talk about some of those interesting things too. So it's sort of, it's a bit philosophical at times in a way, but it's like you get this another deep connection to your body too. So you have the physical specimen that you look at and it's a, it's just, inc- I mean, listen, I've done hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of exhibitions all over the world on all kinds of subjects. And this, this exhibition is the most um, impactful and connected exhibition because everybody relates to it. It's just, it's, 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 it's a, it's very powerful. I can't wait for you to go. um, I can't wait. And and, and, you know, Tom, I got to say, I love this concept. It it seems like it, it makes a lot of sense. You as somebody who does exhibitions, that this would be the most pa- you get the most passionate behind it because it's so detailed. And I'm thinking, 
what a great idea for Bally's and all the places that put these exhibitions on to realize the best way is to bring in a company that does exhibitions because we spend so much time, I think, of like car uh presentations and so forth well boy human beings are much more detailed than cars and we're unlike a ferrari we all have you you know we all have the human parts we don't all have ferraris that's right that's right exactly no we've had a lot of great success in las vegas and brought several different exhibitions there over the years and it's been a it's a great town for us and i think it would you know all the properties we've worked with we've worked really well and uh, it's, it's a nice mix of, you know, because it's, it's, it's also, so it's very educational and it's powerful. It's also, it's entertaining in a way because you've never, a lot of people have never seen a real human body that's been preserved in this way that's in a, you know, a lot of, you know, like you bring it, you brought up the frog that you dissected as a kid. Well, it smelled like formaldehyde. It was gross. Like you've just dissected and there's all these guts and junk around, right? But in this case, we've, we, all the dirty part or the smelly part, <laughs> was done somewhere else, and now you have this beautiful, pristine, odorless, um, you know, specimen that, that, you, that, it, that once was real, and so it's very relatable, and you don't have to have all that gross stuff. You just, it's all, you get all the, you get all the benefit, and not the, uh, yeah. not the ugly and stuff. people have a thing about this, which I guess makes a lot of sense when you consider, you know, this is our life, we want to know what's going on in there, but I, I, I interviewed years ago a great guy out of, I think it was the University of Kentucky, although I'm not sure, and he was famous for having this area where they kept dead bodies, they brought them there, and people would come and from, you know, states away and yeah, so forth that want to see it. Yep. Yeah, there's a couple of them. They're called body farms. Um, and there are a lot of, there's a few of them. There's a big one in Tennessee uh, that's pretty famous and also uh, Alabama. And, and but, but, you know, the idea of, you know, all of us are, we're always trying to learn something, some, whatever that might be. Um, and so people who are anthropologists uh, or they are forensic anthropologists, they will, they'll, they'll, they'll take body parts and they'll bury them in different, you know, in sand or in, um, in mud or in whatever. And they'll, they'll try to identify, you know, you watch the CSI episodes and they talk about, looks like he's been dead for three days. And they know that because of the amount of decay and the type of, you know, the way it's decaying and, and so forth. And so all those, all that science is there, um, in this case, our specimens are are primarily used for you know in classroom study. So they'll yeah. preserve a specimen and then they can pass it around uh, a classroom so they can study it. So they don't have to do all the you know the sort of the, the dissection work. You'll also see in real bodies um, some pathology specimens, which is really interesting. You'll see, even though you know this doesn't necessarily make you understand a disease more, but when you see a physical manifestation of a cancer. Or of a like I was mentioning a smoker's lung, or or, or um, you know any of the diseases, or even the the hip replacement or the knee replacements. It's really I think it helps. Like it helps you much more than a textbook. Um, so it's really powerful. It's great right now when you know also when parents are home, local parents are home with their kids, and and they're you know looking for something to do that that's stimulating, educational, um, and fun. Um, it's cool. And also the COVID balls, the three D ones we printed are kind of. Uh, they're kind of fun. We made it like a selfie as if you could pretend like you're sneezing and they're shooting out of your nose. <laughs> so, I mean, you don't have to do that, but it's, it's a fun little moment if you want it. To, no, so. it really is. Well worth the time. Yeah. I tell you, I, I think it's one of the really cool things, you know, only in Vegas. Well, actually, it's other places too, but in Vegas, you can see it. It's great. It's real bodies. It's at Bally's. It's only twenty nine ninety five. really, for what you get out of this thing, an incredible price. 
Tom, we can't wait for your next exhibition to come out of it. I think you're going to have a long way to try to top this one. Oh, thank you, Stephen. Well, we're working on it. Have you been Portnoyed yet? Well, you should be. What does that actually mean, Neil Portnoy? You send me a photograph, and I do a realistic cartoon caricature. Realistic looks just like you, and then I cartoon the body. And you then become part of the Portnoyed Wall of Honor here at Portnoy Gallery, which now, since its inception in 2017, has got over 60 members on the wall. It's the new Sardis of Las Vegas. Absolutely. Our own John, the announcer, is there. How do we get information we want to get Portnoy? Uh, you can call the gallery at 702-685-2929 or on social media, Facebook, Portnoy Gallery, artist Neil Portnoy, Neil Portnoy, idrawpeople.com, and probably about six other places that, at my age, memory is the second thing that goes. You're listening to Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi. Hey, everybody, this is Sam Riddle, and you are listening to Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi. You are listening to the best of Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi. You're listening to Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi. You are listening to Vegas Never Sleeps. We often mention that Vegas is not just for gambling shows and food. It also has great museums. You know, when you visit Las Vegas, there's plenty of great museums and you can go all over time, from the early days of Vegas through the mobster days and so forth. Well, there's another great place that you really want to visit there if you like cars. And, of course, I do. And it's called Nostalgia Street Rods. Really interesting place. It's a private collection of automobiles back from 1910 to 1965. And with us is the curator, Sherry Goldstrom-Harris. So, welcome, Sherry. Nostalgia Street Rods. What gave you uh, the idea of putting something like this together in a place where people are looking for all kinds of entertainment? Well, my parents um, gave me the idea several years ago because they are probably one of the biggest collectors in the state. And it's a private collection, so nobody really knew what they collected except for, you know, the immediate family. And um, as I was growing up, I, you know, began to learn about this collection. And I wanted to show people what my parents thought was cool to collect. So I, with along with my dad's help, you know, we built these um, museums that we have. And... It started out as a fun thing to build it for a place to house all his cars because he's been collecting cars since he's been, I think, about 16. Mm-hmm. But So we just built the collections, and I wanted to show people, you know, what they thought was cool to collect. And Well, I think it's a cool collection, and it's a little different. As curator, it must be uh, an important thing because there are places across the country, even I know Bill Hara has a famous collection and so forth, and there's various places around the, the nation that do this. What is it, do you think, that makes this particular collection some, a must-see for people that are visiting Las Vegas? Well, what I, what I see when I put these collections together, I just thought it was really neat how there's just not one thing that they collected. They collected numerous amounts of things and what you see when you come to our place is only about 60 percent of you know of our collection my mom started way back when with antiques and uh she just she loved to collect a little bit of everything and 
her collection, she's got antiques, she's got memorabilia, she's got records, she's got guitars, she's got dolls, um, football, baseballs. She she really loved to collect a little bit of everything. Plus, she was a car collector also. She is the Chevy collector. My dad, however, is the Ford collector. And, you know, the, the neat thing about it is there's race cars in there. There is, uh, you know, the Sears car from 1910. Um, and then there's there's just it's a variety of things and the walls are all covered and I just I think it's a must see you know um, I've never had one person that's visited there yet say that they didn't like it and uh, when you hear our story our family story it's kind of a cool one and it's really nice to, to visit it yeah I think it's a really neat place it's like one of these places where everything's well taken care of well, my family's story is very cool. Uh, my dad used to be a demo contractor for about uh, 50 years in Vegas, and he was one of the biggest demo contractors. And that's kind of where his money began. And uh, back in the day, I used to drive truck for my dad, and my mom ran our office. And it was about the mid-'80s that my, after I graduated high school, my dad wanted, um, him and my mom wanted me to come into the office. And it was then that I started seeing what they started to collect. Now, mind you, we lost my brothers um, right after high school. I lost both of my brothers from, you know, they didn't make the right choices in life. And it's, it's something we got through. But it wasn't until then that we really realized, I realized that my parents had been collecting. I knew they were collecting, but I would work out in the field with my dad in, uh, you know, in the early years. And so I knew that they were collecting, but I didn't get the magnitude of it until I actually came in and ran our office. And once I got in there, then, of course, my parents really started traveling and collecting. And the cool story about it is is that my mom, way back in the day, you know how, like, you men like to trade up things? Well, my mom, <laughs> she would put the cars in her name when she would buy them for my dad. So that, that's how his collection began because, you know, you men, you like to trade up things. Well, my mom's idea of it was to keep everything we could get our hands on. You know what I think is really cool is you realize how different cars were and how they changed back. You know, now all the cars look very similar. You know, They're either an SUV type and they all have the same kind of dynamics and so forth. But back then, you really see different ways that people enjoyed the transportation and so forth. I, I think it's just a great way to visit You know, early, mid, and even late 20th century. Yes, it is. It's, it's, it's just it's so interesting when you, you – know, when you go look at these vehicles and you like the 1910 Sears car, I mean, it's really amazing when you sit and you actually look in it. And it drove into our museum, so it was quite the thing to see. And then if you, you know, go to, you know, the 65 that we have or the 68 Nova, it's just, it's just amazing how they change. And now today, what the way our cars are. And the, the thing that I think is really cool is how things are coming back you know, different things. And you see that when you're in this museum. You you see that some of the things from back in the old days are coming back a little bit. Just just different things, you know? Yeah. Now, are the cars primarily Chevy and Ford? Is that right? Yes, they're all Chevy and Ford. And I think that's particularly interesting, Sherry, because when you think about the real American cars, I think Chevrolet and Ford probably, of all the cars that are made in this country, are the two that really represent you know, mainstream America. So, again, another great look at the culture of our country through that period. Yep, my mom loved the Chevys and my dad loved the Fords. And, you know, it's 
we used to give my dad a hard time because he's like a total Ford man, but yet some of his cars have Chevy engines. <laughs> well, this is really cool stuff. By the way, you are an interesting person because I don't know if people picked up on it. You drove the big trucks. In fact, I understand uh, you started with, uh, with like a Peterbilt, right? I mean, that that's not an easy, that twin-stick Peterbilt from the late 60s? I wow. did. It, it actually was my brother's truck, and I learned how to drive it. And, uh, you know, I... I had to start at the bottom, too, and my dad, uh, you know, would give me a newer truck every few years, you know, and I finally, my last truck was an 84 Pete, and uh, I loved it. Still do love the truck. Still got my CDL. Um, very, very much into the trucks, more than most girls would would or whatever be, you know. Yeah, it's a lot of fun, and I think people are going to want to get out there. They want to take a look at it. So let's tell them how to do it. Now, you deal primarily through tours, right? So how does it work? If we, When people are planning a trip to Vegas, do they get a time in advance, or how does it go? Well, first of all, um, we give three tours a day, and that's Monday through Friday, and it's 10, noon, and 2, and the cost of that tour is $20. But if you want to do a VIP tour ever, which is an experience with my dad, um, you get a free T-shirt with that. It costs 50 bucks, And then he just goes around and he takes you and he starts the cars and he does all this fun, amazing stuff. And you get to hear right from him exactly where it all began and how it went down. And um, we can do those tours on the off hours. Or if you have a group or a party and you want to come on the weekend, we do do weekend tours. Um, it's just in advance and you have to pay for them. Uh, and that's, that's how you do it. You just visit us on the web at you know, www.nostalgiastreetroutes.com. And you can come anytime, Monday through Friday, on those three tours, or you can just give us a call and we'll put your name down. And we'd sure love to, we love to give tours, and we have a great tour guide. Her name is Suzette, and usually uh, you go out of there rolling laughing because she's uh, <laughs> quite the character. Well, Sherry, we can't wait. I mean, I think, yeah, you know, for the... The casual fan, they're going to have a blast. I think that one-on-one uh, -on -one with your dad sounds incredible to me. I mean, if you're one of these real car lovers, it, it would be a lot of a lot of fun for that. All And a great place for an event. So we'll remind people again, you go to NostalgiaStreetRods.com. It's a place on your next visit to Las Vegas, you really want to consider adding it. It's something to see. It's really well worth it. Uh, where exactly are you in terms of compared to the Strip and so forth, Sherry? We're just a couple miles from the Strip. We're actually... Um west of the Mandalay Bay, and we are um, south of the Orleans Hotel. So we're right in that little corridor there off of Cameron and Hacienda, and it's really close to the Strip. Oh, yeah, and that's really easy to get to. Sherry, thanks so much. We really enjoyed having you on, and uh, hopefully we'll have you on again. Thank you so much, and you guys have a nice day. You are listening to Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi. <laughs> What if every dollar you invested into your training program turned into $30 of revenue? What if your learning program was so engaging that your employees looked forward to annual trainings? And what if you could monitor the success and effectiveness of your curriculum with quantifiable metrics? Go to training.epsilonxr.com.
E-learning has made each of these scenarios possible, utilizing tools such as virtual and augmented reality, simulations, and online instructor-led training provides a safe environment for employees to learn at their own pace. Go to training.epsilonxr.com. Here at Epsilon XR, we have 50 years of experience in creating powerful and effective training programs. We combine proven training methods with cutting-edge technology to create immersive training experiences. Are you ready to take your training program to the next level? Go to training.epsilonxr.com. Training.epsilonxr.com. We hope you're enjoying this edition of The Best of Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi. Welcome back to Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi. You are listening to Vegas Never Sleeps. We are talking about the future of Vegas with Scott Robin of VitalVegas.com. It's 2021, and who better to find out what the heck is happening in Las Vegas than your Vegas insider, Scott Robin of VitalVegas.com, the best place, I mean the very best place, to get what's really happening behind the scenes in Las Vegas. And Scott, first of all, before we even start, you wrote a great piece that everybody can read on your page. It's 21 for 2021. But this year has been probably the weirdest I've certainly experienced. It has to be the weirdest you've experienced in Vegas. I mean, and we're talking weird compared to an era where the actual members of organized crime ran casinos. Like, that was a very weird time, uh, and this, this blew it out of the water. Uh, obviously, everybody's grappling with the pandemic, but Vegas was hit especially hard. We're, we're just so uh, reliant on tourism and, and travel dollars and conventions and a big events and pretty much across the board just wiped out. Uh, so, you know, we've, you know, I've tried to keep it light, but it's been really brutal on a lot of people that uh, have, have worked their whole lives in Las Vegas in the service industry and find themselves just in dire straits. I, you know, I'm trying to look forward to 2021 just because 2020 for everybody was just really strange and awful for the most part and there's no you know there's no glossing over how bad it was no you know and we who read you every day we could just feel your pain because you're watching this happen you know this isn't good and it, it was one of those things where it just seemed to get worse day after day after day and there was every day there was a new story of layoffs or closing one of the biggest stories i i think probably the biggest of 2020 was just the closure of casinos that was something that i was adamant would never happen uh i knew there would probably be limitations and uh mandates and capacity limits and things but i don't think anybody predicted just the complete closure you know even when they reopened this idea of of conventions that you know a lot of people don't even realize that conventions really drive las vegas gaming uh gambling kind of the same thing uh they they of course drive a lot of revenue but the real bread and butter of vegas is conventions because you're getting large groups of people in uh quite often they they uh uh, the, the convention and visitors authority has planned it so that these big conventions coincide with natural kind of seasonal dips. So say in December, typically would be very slow. So they would have the rodeo and got the town full again and the price are strong and the revenue is strong. But yeah, the, the conventions is, it's one that, uh, and I'm not really sure. I think that's one of the last things to bounce back in 2021 because anything related to large gatherings of people, 
you know, it takes a lot of planning. So a lot of these convention folks just haven't really been planning things for 2021. Uh, so that's going to take quite a bit of time to ramp back up. No question. And of course, it killed Legion Stadium. Here we are. The NFL comes to town. Everybody's excited about it. Big Garth Brooks concert coming before the NFL season. And none of that happens. And now they're talking about the Super Bowl. That's one of your uh, 21 for 2021. Going to get that in 24. And, you know, that seems like a long way off, but I'm thinking, eh, that might just be the right time that we're going to be able to do it. I mean, it seems to me, Scott, that even for the season of 2021, you're not going to have full houses in Allegiant Stadium, even if you have some people in there. Yeah, I guess. I mean, it, it depends on how optimistic you are about the rollout of the vaccine and, and kind of getting the numbers under control. Uh, it's taken a little longer than expected. It's really important for Vegas that they do this in a much more accelerated way uh, to, to, to be diplomatic about it. Uh, they, they haven't done a great job so far. But, you know, as we get into kind of the next few months and we start to see, you know, it, it doesn't have to be everybody getting the vaccine. It, it's, there's quite a few people have had this thing already. Quite a few are getting the vaccine. Uh, so, you know, I would love to see mid-year some of these events starting up. We've got Electric Daisy Carnival, EDC. That thing is still scheduled for May. Uh, and what I've heard is, in, even in the governor's office, they're saying this is good to go as long as the, the vac- vaccine schedule rolls out as planned. So, uh, yeah, sports, concerts, you know, uh, the nightclubs, I mean, all this stuff is all kind of everybody's watching uh, how how this is uh, is handled, how quickly the vaccinations are rolled out, the effectiveness. You know, there's still this percentage of the population that's just not going to do it. Uh, but I think at some point the masks have to really come off. I mean, that's to me, <laughs> yeah. that's going to be a symbolic end to this in Las Vegas because masks are a reminder that you're supposed to be worried about something. And that just doesn't work for Vegas because Vegas is supposed to be a carefree escape and wearing a mask just isn't part of that. So, The moment that those masks come off, I think, will be a symbolic return to some degree of normalcy. No matter what else is going on, even if there are other restrictions, I think once the masks uh, come off, we'll we'll be looking at a very different Las Vegas. Let's jump into a, and we won't cover them all. You can do that at vitalvegas.com, and you should. A 21 for 2021, and just some of the ones that kind of jumped out at me. First of all, the Palms isn't going to be reopened to 2021 or in the entire year, you say, that's sort of, uh, it's really kind of frustrating because I always liked the Palms. It, it had it had its moment of stardom. They tried to recreate it, and boy, it didn't work. And uh, that's a nice, beautiful hotel that uh, is just sitting there. It is beautiful. Uh, it was a huge miscalculation on the part of the station casinos, uh, Red Rock Resorts. Uh, they, they really wanted it to recapture its heyday, but it wasn't based on any kind of reality of the market, um, especially the nightclub, Chaos Nightclub. It was just a disaster, huge cost financially. Uh, and so what I'm hearing is a lot of the artwork, all this expensive artwork has been taken out. I think it's sitting there waiting for a buyer. Uh, I don't really have any inside info on when the sale might happen or when it might reopen, but it just it looks very bleak for Palms for 2021. And uh, I'm sure people are poking around at it, but I don't know how they make uh, – they've got to get it at a pretty good price. And right. station casinos is just going to take a huge financial hit 
at some point, they've been able to bury it pretty well so far, but at some point, the reality is going to sink in that it was just a huge misstep. Uh, the Vertitas, they have good instincts, but this was just, this was a miss, and they just misread the market. And, you know, a number of nightclubs had closed leading up to this. The nightclub world is, is pretty iffy. Uh, to begin with, and they just they walked right into it, and they were giving these amazing deals to these DJs. No way they could recoup uh, what they were spending, and so that imploded, not literally. And I don't, I don't think there's any danger of, of Palms being imploded. I can't say the same for Rio, uh, because I think that's going to be a tough slog too. These off-strip places are are going to have some challenges in 2021. And finally, a, a prediction you have, and boy, it would be exciting if that happened, NBA expansion. Now, that kind of surprised me because your prediction says they'd probably start at T-Mobile, but they'd get their own stadium built or arena, I should say. Uh, do you have any uh, – where are you hearing that? Because I know one time when I interviewed the mayor, the NBA uh, – of course, that was the prior commissioner – had always said that eh, I don't know about that. Although I associate the NBA a lot with Las Vegas because there's always a lot of fun. That's where these championships are celebrated. Yeah, I'm not. Uh, I always like to disclaim the fact that I'm not a sports person. Uh, I sometimes do my predictions on just chatter and buzz that I hear, um, and it's just sounding more like an NBA expansion team. The timing is is about right. Uh, I've heard people like Mark Cuban. Uh, say that the timing's not right. The mayor, I guess, ongoing discussions. But I think it's time that it happened. I, I've always I predicted in 2018 that that Seattle would get a team first, and then uh, Vegas would be next. And I think there's just a certain maturity uh, to Las Vegas and its sports uh, realm. You know, getting the Raiders was a big deal, and obviously the Knights have been. They, that was a huge windfall. Nobody expected that out of hockey. So I think they're figuring the NBA is going to be a slam dunk. I don't know, so to speak. I don't know that the um, I don't know about the part about a specific arena. Uh, MGM Resorts has a foot in the door because they have the Aces, which is the WNBA team, and they play in T-Mobile. So I think that would be that would be an intuitive guess as to where where they would end up. But I think it's time for the NBA to look at Las Vegas. Make sure to visit com every day for the very best in Vegas news. Coming up next is Sports Rock and Tours. If your local station doesn't carry it, go to sportsracx.com. That's sportsracx.com. There you can hear this week's show as well as extended interviews with our previous guests. And please follow both shows on all social media platforms, including Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Thanks for listening today. This is Stephen Manchin reminding you, Vegas never sleeps. Vegas, here we go!